The scripture lesson for us this morning came from the lectionary. And it's a tough lectionary piece to preach upon. <clears throat> I am delighted to be here in this chapel <clears throat> once again for over 20 years. I preached in this pulpit and Marty played the organ. And then we hired, we hired Paul. <laughs> <clears throat> Thank you, Paul, for being here. How many years now, Paul? It's a long, <laughs> it's a long year. <clears throat> but I had a habit every Sunday when I would step into the, in the vestibule there, I would say a silent prayer. And my prayer was this. Thank God someone showed up. <laughs> <clears throat> Thank you for showing up this morning. Of all the things you could be doing today, you have chosen to come here to worship, to hear again God's word, to find rest for your soul. Paul Tillich, the 20th century theologian, wrote about our scripture this morning in a sermon that he gave called The Shaking of the Foundation. When I was the age to receive confirmation and full membership in the church, I was told to choose a passage from the Bible as the expression of my personal approach to the biblical message in the Christian church. When I chose the words, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy burdened. I was asked with a kind of an astonishment why I had chosen that particular passage. For I was living under happy circumstances. Being only 15 years old, I was without any apparent burden or labor. I could not answer at the time. <clears throat> I felt a little embarrassed but basically right. And I was right. Indeed, every child is right to respond immediately to those words. Every adult is right in responding to them in all periods of his life, in all the conditions of his internal and external history. The words of Jesus are universal and fit every human being and every human situation. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy burdened. That is my message this morning. The words of God and the teachings of Jesus are for the young and the old, the strong and the frail, the rich and the poor for those of us who are carrying heavy burdens and for those who may have a, a moment in their life when the burden is light. We come today to hear again the comforting and inviting words of our Lord. The Old Testament scripture is the story of creation. There are three stories of creation in the Bible 
in the first chapter of Genesis, the second and third chapter of Genesis, and also Psalm 74. Our lesson today comes from the second and third chapter. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through pain, toil, you will eat fruit from it all the days of your life. It will, it will produce thorns and thistles for you. You will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. And since from it you were taken from dust, you are, and to dust you will return. This scripture tells us the long history of our existence outside of the garden. We live east of Eden. Our long history living among the burdens of life, the troubles of life, the thorns and thistles of life. And it also tells us of our short history, our short personal history. To dust we shall return. And Tom Freeman wrote a book a few years ago called Thanks for Being Late. Tom Freeman lives in Aspen, writes for the New York. He talked about our existence as human beings and our drive to go forward. Regardless of our circumstances in life, there is a drive that sends us forward. We cannot return, even though some of us at times would like to, to another year, to yesteryear. We only have one direction, and that direction is forward. The only question is how fast we move forward, the acceleration. He compared it to a car. He compared it to a car that accelerates very quickly, zero to 60 in five seconds or a car that decelerates very quickly, hard braking. And he says, you wouldn't want to take a long trip like that on this long life that we have. We do not want to take a long trip, fast acceleration and quick braking. It would be exhausting, although it might be exciting for the moment. It could be exhausting long-term. Next month, <clears throat> I will be 79 years old. And anyone who is close to that age knows how quickly it comes. Those of you who are much younger think it's a long way off. It comes quickly. <clears throat> and something has started to happen as I get older and closer to that time when I will be with the gods. Things seem to take longer. I cannot remember as well as I used to remember. And it seems as if days go quick, more quickly than before. 
It seems as if when I was younger, days took forever. A whole day meant time spent. Now it goes so quickly. It's like a blink and a day is over. And a month is over and a year is over. Well, one of the reasons for that is the way our brain ages. As our brain ages, it cannot keep up with all the images that come along. If you watch a small baby, their eyes are blinking all the time. Because there are so many images are coming through their little brain. As we get older, our brain slows down. And it seems as if things go faster. Things go faster in this world. The acceleration of life is upon us. And every day it seems as if life is accelerating faster and faster. I was born in a house without a TV. And now I have a smart TV. Thank God Marty knows how to work it. <laughs> so I can watch the Golf Channel. I grew up in a house until I was a teenager without a telephone. Now I have a smart telephone. The Internet of Things, IoT, is the network of all that is on the Internet, all the devices that are out there that share information. Our smartphones, our cars, our homes. Soon there will be 50 billion smart devices in our lives in a population of 8 billion. That means that every one of us will have 8 to 10 instruments around us telling us how fast to go and how fast to think and what's going on in the world. That's the acceleration in which we all live and participate and move forward. It is made up of Things we like and things we don't like. The political discord, the climate change, the wars. There are 30 wars taking place around the globe today. We hear about some of those. And then we have our personal burdens. Health, illness, inflation family disruption. All of those things we combine together and put them together and say, how do I face this world in which I live? And we might find ourselves crying out like Paul in our message from Romans, who will rescue me? Where will I find rest? Two hundred and seventy-five years ago, a philosopher wrote these words, Immanuel Kant. Heaven has given human beings three things to balance the odds of life. Laughter, sleep, and hope. Three things to balance out all that life brings to us and puts in front of us every day. Laughter, sleep, and hope. 
In our gospel lesson this morning, Jesus invites us and offers to us an invitation. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. It is an invitation to stand in the grace of God. It is an invitation to participate in the grace of God. A Danish theologian wrote these words 180 years ago, and I think they are still words to live by today. The grace of God is surely the greatest of all good gifts. This belief is at bottom the most earnest and blessed conviction of every human being. When the grace of God grants to a man what he likes and desires, he is not merely content, but happy and grateful. He understands that God is good and gracious. A contented spirit finds the grace of God sufficient for his needs. It is, of all things, most blessed to possess. As we hear God's word and go forth from this chapel to live God's word, let that be ringing in our ears, an invitation to live in the grace of God, the most blessed of all gifts. Psychologically, we can describe ourselves in many ways, extroverted, introverted, stoic, emotional, slow thinking, fast thinking, if you've read that good book. But there are only two ways to describe us theologically. The first is those of us who say yes to the invitation. To the invitation, come, we say yes. Those of us who say yes, and we are the ones that have said yes, or we wouldn't be here this morning. We are making a wager. We're making a wager that Life is an adventure where we trust and hope in God. Life is an adventure where we hope and trust in the goodness in ourselves and others and in God. We are making a wager that we can accept all that life brings to us, the shadow side of life, the dark side of life, the burdens and the heaviness of life, and still find meaning and love. A wager that even in the darkest of valleys, a light shining. Those who say no are making a wager. They are making a wager that they can be in control. They are making a bet that they have the ability to rule and control all that life delivers. Those who say no can find little rest. 
because they must always be on guard, always in control, always at watch. The invitation that comes to us is to say yes. And it's my message, and it's really the way I try to live when I'm at my best, is that we find rest in the Lord and in the words of our Lord both a physical and a spiritual rest. Rest from our labor and our worry. Rest from our fears and our anxieties. Rest from our burdens and our mistakes. Rest for our soul. Some of you know that I am a, at heart a farmer and a rancher. <laughs> One of my favorite writers is Wendell Berry. He's a farmer in Kentucky and an author and a poet. He was also a Wallace Stagner Fellow at Stanford. He calls it Sabbath rest. Whatever is foreseen in joy must be lived out from day to day. Vision held open in the dark by our 10,000 days of work. Harvest will fill the barn. For that, the, the hand must ache, the face must sweat, and yet no leaf or grain is filled by work of ours. The field is tilled and left to grace. That we may weep and that we may reap. Great work is done while we're asleep. While we work well, a Sabbath mood rests on our days and finds it good. May your blessing today that a Sabbath mood rests on your day and finds it good. Amen.